Hello, and then welcome to this edition of our 21 News Podcast. I'm social media coordinator, Danielle Cotterman, and joining me today is author Robert K. Whitman, whose 2016 book chronicles the long-lost private diary of Alfred Rosenberg, known as the man who made Hitler into Hitler. Thank you for joining us, Robert. Oh, it's my pleasure, Danielle. Great to be here today. So tell us a little bit about this book and the man who it centers around. Well, uh, it goes all the way back to about the beginning of 2000, 2001. Uh, I was an FBI agent at that time, and I was contacted by the U.S. Holocaust Museum to try and discover the whereabouts of this 400-page diary that was written by Alfred Rosenberg. Now, Alfred Rosenberg was the chief civil scientist of the Nazi party. And between the years of 1935 and 1945, he wrote this 400-page diary, uh, basically memorializing all his conversations with Adolf Hitler, talking about his plans uh, for the for the Third Reich of the Nazis. And what's important is we have to look back, and, and, and Rosenberg actually met Adolf Hitler in 1919, right after the First World War. Rosenberg was the founder of the Nazi party in Germany, and he was one of the organizers, beginners. And uh, Hitler went to one of his meetings, and he was actually sent there by the uh, that German government to kind of spy on the uh, on the party to see what they were doing. Well, he enjoyed, he liked what they were saying. And uh, although Rosenberg was a, as I say, a scientist, a social scientist, he wasn't a great speaker. But when he started hearing Adolf Hitler speak, he thought, "This is the person I'm going to bring under my wing," and really let him espouse my theories. And I have to tell you, Daniel, his theories were things like the ladder of the races, the the whole idea of the Aryan uh, superiority of the Aryan race, the hatred of the Jews. He believed that the whole Bolshevik revolution in Russia was a, a Jewish plot and that they were just merely waiting to come to Germany and take over Germany. So he was the one that had all these ideas for the Holocaust, the, the ladder of the races, the, the superiority of the Aryan race and the collection of artwork around Europe. He started that as well. So we, we're talking about the, the philosopher, the theorist, and who gave his theories and philosophies to Adolf Hitler to be put into practice. Now, I had read that this is kind of a window into the mind of Hitler. Do you think that that's a fair statement? And I mean, is there anything that surprised you when going through this? Well, we, we conducted the investigation. It wasn't until 2013 that we finally were able to find the diary after a very convoluted investigation that took us from Germany to, to Pennsylvania to Buffalo, New York in the end. And that's where we were able to recover it from. And tonight we'll talk about that uh, at the lecture at the Medici Museum. But yeah, there were some things in the diary. Of course, with 400 pages and him writing this, there's a couple of other documents diaries that were written by other uh, high members of the Third Reich. But all of those were written for posterity. In other words, they were writing those because they wanted to make books out of them someday. So they were actually writing things to make themselves look really good. Okay. Mm -hmm. Whereas Rosenberg, this was not for that. This was his his private thoughts about what he was thinking and what, what had happened to him in those meetings. And he'd have a meeting, he'd go home, and he'd write about it. And he didn't write every night because he didn't have meetings every day. So over the course of 10 years, there are 400 pages. Why it was so important is because this diary was discovered by Patton's troops in a castle in, uh, in eastern Germany. 
And what had happened was that the diary went to the Nuremberg trials. It was shipped there and it was used in the trials to convict the first parts of the first 10 uh, Nazi war criminals. Rosenberg was one of them. He was hung in 1946. It's one of the first 10. Um, but what's so important is that the diary was never transcribed and never translated. So as a result, you had this 400-page manuscript out there. No one knew what was in it. The Holocaust Museum didn't know what was in it. And, you know, it was written by one of the primary movers of the entire Second World War, the Third Reich. So it was really important to get it back to be able to discover, make new discoveries even today about how that period evolved and what had happened. Mm-hmm. And I had read that it was lost for more than 60 years. Is that accurate? And you, you kind of touched on, on it there, but how did you guys come to, to find it and have it in your possession? Yeah, the diary went missing around 1948, and uh, we found it in 2013. So you can see many decades had passed while the piece was underground. Uh, we, we conducted a, a rather extensive investigation working with uh, the Homeland Security Department, the U.S. Attorney's Office. Uh, as a result of our investigation and theirs together, uh, we were able to recover that. I'm going to talk about that tonight or tomorrow. I'm sorry, tomorrow night, Wednesday night at the uh, Medici Museum starting around 7 p.m. OK, and th- this is a good opportunity to kind of segue. Tell us a little bit about your background. The FBI, I think I read that you, you've been described as the real Indiana Jones. <laughs> talk, talk to me a little bit about your background. I mean, this is very interesting, the work you do and finding, recovering stolen artwork, cultural property, things like that. Well, I, just first of all, I, I never called myself the real Indiana Jones. I came out of a, a talk I was doing for the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Art, and that's how they build it. OK, so uh-huh. <laughs> if okay. you see that online. That wasn't Bob Whitman saying that. That was them. Okay, that's publicity. But uh, yeah, I was a, I was an FBI agent from 1988 to 2008, and my primary duty at the FBI was to be the art theft investigator. I I was an art theft investigator in 22 different countries. Uh, I was able to recover about 300 million dollars worth of stolen art, cultural property. Uh, you know, we had three talks so far at the museum. This is the third and final talk on Wednesday night. The first one we did was about art theft involving uh, stolen paintings worth tens of millions of dollars that we recovered in undercover operations. The second one was about frauds, forgeries, and fakes, which is probably 75% of the $6 billion art crime industry every year. And then this final one is about documents, manuscripts, books, and diaries. And uh, all of them have their interesting facets and, and parts. Uh, and I was able to uh, be involved in different kinds of cases that involved all of those types of uh, objects. Yeah. Um, give us a little insight tomorrow night if someone comes out or joins online. What can they expect to hear? What, what all will you be covering? Well, we'll be talking about a, a number of different kinds of thefts, different thefts that occurred and the recoveries that uh, that uh, that were made. Uh, one of the pieces we're going to talk about is an original copy. And it really isn't, ori- it isn't a copy. It's one of the original 13 Bill of Rights. Uh, the Bill of Rights were sent to the 13 states in 1789 by George Washington. And they were supposed to be ratified and sent back to Washington. It was the actual document on vellum. And they were done with uh, black gall ink and, and written out. Anyway, this one was stolen uh, by a Union trooper during the Civil War in 1865. It was stolen from the State House in North Carolina. So it was the North Carolina copy. And it was offered for sale to uh, the Philadelphia uh, uh, National Constitution Center. And we were able to do an undercover operation to recover that in 2004. 
So that would have been missing for about 150 years. It's valued at about $100 million if you can sell it. Of course, you can't sell it. If there, the 13 that exist, only 10 are left. And you know they're all owned by states. They're not. Uh, they're not public property. They're not not private property. So uh, if you could sell it, it would be valued at about 100 million. We'll talk about that undercover operation. We'll talk about the recovery of our first folio Shakespeare folio, which was the first time in the 16, I guess 1670, when Shakespeare's plays were actually written down, and that was stolen uh, from a university in in, uh, in uh, England. Uh, we'll talk about a uh, first edition of the Origin of Species by Darwin that was stolen from a university in Canada, which ended up in the U.S. Then, of course, also about the Devil's Diary. So uh, any of your listeners who are out there are interested in these types of, uh, uh, shall we say, true crime, you know, cops and robbers investigations for high value assets, they should come out, listen, and enjoy an, an evening at the Medici Museum. Absolutely. It's all very interesting. And now I understand that some of these shows have these these um, lectures have sold out, but people can still join online. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, the uh, the first two have sold out, uh, but they did something different uh, for this. They have a hybrid lecture series, this series. And so that means that you can do it online uh, with a Zoom link. If you sign up at the Medici Museum, I think, dot com, uh, you can go on there. You can actually sign up for, and get a Zoom link. Or I think they may still have some seats for tomorrow night. I can't be sure. I haven't been out there since uh, since early May. But uh, my understanding is there may be some seats. You know, uh, Caitlin, the uh, director of the museum, she doesn't mind putting a few extra chairs in if she needs them. So uh, if your folks want to come out or if they want to sign up online, either way, they can watch the lecture or hear the lecture and, and enjoy it. Wonderful. Is there anything else that you want to add that I have not asked you that you think our listeners should know? Well, I want to say that the, the Medici Museum is doing a great job. Uh, they're fairly young. Uh, they need the support of the community. Uh, and seeing these sold out uh, lectures have been great to see all the people coming out. And I think that the, the people of Warren, Ohio, Youngstown area uh, are great. They've uh, they've really supported this. Uh, they've been very, very gracious. And I'm in Philadelphia, by the way. So, you know, I'm not from there. But to, to come in, I feel like a native. And then they've been uh, they're, they're heartwarming and great people. Wonderful. Well, we appreciate having you in this area and stopping by. Again, uh, Robert K. Whitman will be there at the Medici Museum of Art in Warren on Wednesday, June 1st at 7 p.m. Thank you so much, Robert, for joining us. Thanks, Danielle. It's great to see you.